Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 anyone no matter who you are they can come to know christ i don't care who they are they can come to know christ welcome to core truth radio a radio ministry of core church los angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching us God's truth right from the Bible with lessons that we may not want to hear, but we need to hear. Let's jump right in today's study. Yes, the plan from the beginning was that Jesus, the Savior, would die. The Creator would come and live as a man and die for His creation. Know this, we have all sinned. There's none righteous. The Bible tells us everyone has sinned. There's none righteous, not even one. As you know, some people are better than others. Obviously, there's people in this world, they're just total scumbags. I don't care what color their skin is. I don't care what nationality they come from. You know, there are scumbag white people, scumbag Hispanics, scumbag black people, scumbag Asians. I mean, they're just scumbags. They do things that are wrong. They're just career criminals. And then there's other people that are white, black, Asian, and Hispanic that are the kindest people ever. But yet, even in our kindness, we have all sinned. We have all done things wrong. We have not been holy all the way through and through, even in our best of life. But God came to live among us. He came to show us a new way. He came to buy us back from the bondage of sin and death. Yet, verse 27 says, his soul was troubled. Now, that word troubled in the Greek language, it means that he was agitated inside. He was filled with anxiety, not because he knew that he was going to be tortured, beat, and bruised more than any man has ever been bruised. In fact, the Bible never gives a description of what Jesus looked like. No, it never gives us anything about Jesus other than it says he didn't have an appearance that we'd be attracted to him. So he wasn't, you know, Mr. Brad Pitt or Hugh Jackman or something. He didn't have that look like all the movies have. Every time it's like, oh, who's playing Jesus? Oh, it's the good-looking one. Yes, there he is with the beautiful smile and the beautiful eyes. Oh, that's the one that's Jesus. No, the Bible says, no, he didn't have that look. We'd be attracted to him not by how he looked, but for who he was and what he did. The Bible gives us another description of Jesus, again, not talking about his outward appearance, but he says, he was so marred on the cross that you could not tell he was a man. He was so brutally beaten and savagely ripped apart, they said that they pulled the beard out of his face. He was beaten with clubs and rods and fists. He was just completely, just so mangled, you couldn't tell he was a man. The Bible says Jesus was more ripped apart than anyone. You couldn't even tell he was a man. They were so brutal against him. But was he agitated because of that? Of course he wasn't. He knew he would be tortured and crucified. 
But he went on to say, it was for this purpose that he came. So that part of Jesus being agitated was this. Not what was going to happen to him physically, but he knew that the sin of the world would be cast upon his pure, sinless body. The sin of the world, your sin, my sin, the sin of 7.5 billion people today and all the millions and hundreds of millions of people that have lived in times past would all be poured upon his sinless body. 1 Peter 3.18 put it like this, For Christ also died for the sins once for all. The just, him for the unjust, us so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Wow. Yes, Jesus, he was getting ready to die for the sin of all humanity. Yet before he died, as the picture of ultimate servanthood, as he was glorifying God in his every move, the Father said with a thunderous voice from heaven, I have glorified it and will glorify it. This, by the way, is the third time that the Father actually spoke from heaven to the Son. As you remember, the first time was when Jesus was being baptized by John the Baptist. And all of a sudden, a voice came from heaven. The Holy Spirit was coming down like in a dove. And the voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. The second time a voice came up from heaven was when Peter, James, and John went up to what we call the Mount of Transfiguration. And Jesus was praying on the mountaintop. And Peter, James, and John, well, many times when Jesus was praying, they were asleep. They should have been awake and praying instead of sleeping. But nonetheless, they woke up and all of a sudden Jesus is talking to Moses and Elijah. You know, many times people will say, well, how are we going to know when we get to heaven who's who? Well, we're not going to be more stupid in heaven than we are here, number one. And number two, how when the disciples woke up, how did they know one was Moses and one was Elijah? Did they have name tags on? I'm Moses. You know, did they have jerseys on? Elijah. It's like there's just a knowledge when you're in that realm, in the spiritual realm, you just know who's who. And Peter said, hey, this is good. We'll make three tabernacles, Lord, one for you, one for Moses, and one from Elijah. I could see Moses and Elijah. Who's, who's he? Like, who's that? But then a voice came from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Then, almost directing it to Peter, listen to him. That's a nice way of saying, Peter, shh, just, just watch and listen. Don't say anything right now. It's like, but that was the second time. And then the third time is right now. And the father saying, I have glorified it and I will glorify it when you hang on the cross and take the sin of the world. All pointing to Jesus. Yes, Jesus would die on the cross and his death will be the foundation of man and woman's redemption. We can be bought back from our sin. Jesus said in verse 32, If I be lifted up from the earth, signifying his death being raised up on a cross, he will draw all men to himself. Wow. Anybody and everybody can come to know the Lord. There is no one that you know. I don't care how wicked they are. Don't we all have that kind of, you know, shadow person in our family? The one that's always in trouble. The one that's been in and out of jail. 
My brother, before he passed away, my brother was in trouble from the time I can remember. When we moved to North Hollywood, I was four years old. And living in North Hollywood, I remember police officers standing in our living room of our apartment yelling at my brother, who was seven. Stop running away. Listen to your parents. Police were pretty brutal back then. And it's like, man, he was yelling at my brother. My brother's just standing there. He was in trouble with the law from the time I can remember. In and out of jail. He dropped out of high school in the ninth grade. You know, he hitchhiked back to Kansas, you know, where my dad's family's from. And, and he was back there, got kicked out of his aunt's and uncle's houses. And, and just, he was a problem child everywhere. And I remember after he ran away and he was gone for a couple years, he came back. And he was a Jesus freak. I'm like, what the heck happened to you? I mean, it was like some family took him in and shared Christ. Now, he fell away from that and ended up going back to his old self. But he had come to know Christ in that time. Anyone, no matter who you are, they can come to know Christ. I don't care who they are. They can come to know Christ. And my brother went back and forth with the Lord all the years and got caught up in things and ended up losing his life. But I believe by the grace and mercy of God, I'll see him again. But, you know, these days, you know, when you have family members and there's people at your work that are just total scumbags and you think, you know, you're going to be judged. You know, No, don't pray for their judgment. No matter how mean they've been to you, no matter how brutal they've been, pray for their salvation. And pray for a radical salvation in their life. Isn't that what happened to Saul of Tarsus? Remember Saul of Tarsus was single-handedly going to stop Christianity and Jesus drop-kicked him right off of his horse on the way to Damascus and dropped him onto the ground. Uh, Who are you, Lord? He said on the ground, blinded. He says, I am Jesus. And you're persecuting me because when you persecute my people, you're persecuting me. I'm sorry. And they led him away as a blind man. And he stayed that way for three days. Then God raised up a man named Ananias to go and lay hands on him and pray for him. He says, I've got a plan for that man's life. Ananias said, I've heard of this guy. He's killing Christians. I'm not going there. No, you go there because I have a plan for his life. And he went there. And it says, scales dropped from his eyes and he saw again. And he ended up becoming... The Apostle Paul, who ended up bringing the gospel message to the Gentile world and seeing thousands of people come to know Christ in his life. Yes, Jesus will draw all men to himself. See, the people understood what he said. They understood. That's why they commented on it in verse 34 by saying, wait a second, we do believe that you're the Messiah. But you're, not, you're supposed to remain. Wait, you can't be lifted up. You can't die on a cross. You can't be crucified. You're supposed to remain forever, right? Understand, they all thought the Messiah was going to rule and reign forever. Yes, the Messiah is going to come deliver us from these dog Romans. They could have quoted Isaiah 9 to back up their position on this. Because Isaiah 9, where Jesus is described in Isaiah 9, 6, what does it say? For a child will be born to us, a son will be given, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We believe that the Messiah will be God in human form. And then it goes on to say in the very next verse, verse 7, it says, and there will be no end to the increase of his government or his peace from then on and forevermore. So they could have said, wait a minute, we, we believe you're the Messiah. We believe that you were the baby born and you're, you're the Messiah, but you're going to live on forever, right? And you're gonna, your kingdom's going to go on. 
But see, that was true. There is no end to Jesus, and he's going to come back for each and every one of us, and we'll spend heaven with him in heaven forever. So his kingdom will go on, just like it says. But that's only reading half of the story. See, Isaiah went on to say in chapter 53, verse 7, that the Messiah would be oppressed, that he was afflicted like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will bear their iniquities. So they didn't think like, okay, wait a second. There's a first coming, and then there's like a second coming. The first coming, he's going to be the lamb that is going to be led to the slaughter. Remember again, as John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God who's come to take away the sin. See, there's going to be a two-part thing. So yes, Jesus will come back in the second coming. We will come with him. That's not the rapture. That's not the second coming. The rapture, he just takes us away. Then there will be an apostasy, a huge falling away. And the apocalypse will happen in the seven-year tribulation period. But at the end of the seven-year tribulation period, Christ will come back in the clouds and we will be with him. Then he makes a new heaven and a new earth. And he sets his kingdom up and that's what will last forever. So there's... Two different things going on, and they didn't put all the pieces together. They only looked at half of the pieces. Yes, the Messiah was going to rule and reign forever and ever, right after he came and died for our sins the first time. But again, the people didn't get that. The disciples didn't get that. In fact, nobody got it at the time. It was a moment of truth that they did not comprehend. Jesus went on to say in verse 35 and 36, he says, walk in the lights. Again, who's the light? Jesus is the light. He says, walk in the light. You know, he said, you know, he is the light. He said in John 8, 12, he says, I'm the light of the world. And he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. See, if you want the light of life in you, you have to have Christ. And see, we have this message to give to all people walking in L.A. that are walking in darkness. He says, come to me, I'm the light of life. And what does it say to true believers in 1 Corinthians 3.16? It says, do you not know that you're the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? Don't you know that you're the temple of God? The temple of God is not the church building The temple of God is the people. And he says, I will live inside of you. What a mystery. God is going to come and he's no longer going to dwell in the temple, in the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant would sit. No, he's going to now dwell inside of us, each and every one of us. Do you not know that you're the temple of God and the spirit of God dwells in you? See, we have the message of hope, the message of life to give every person who's walking in darkness today. Jesus is the light. We can only walk in the true light if we walk in him. Yet if we do not walk in him, according to his written word, then we are walking in darkness. So let me ask you, just a question. And those of you that are watching online, here's a question for you. Are you walking in the light? Or are you living in the dark? There could be no meshing of the two. Today in our culture, we see so many trying to walk in both light and darkness. 
We try to have one foot in the Lord because we want to go to heaven. But we kind of have one foot in the world because we like the ooh-la-la. See, so which one's it going to be? Is it going to be heaven or ooh-la-la? Which one's it going to be for you? Which one has it been? I wonder if that would describe anyone here tonight or watching online. Do you kind of have one foot in the Lord and one foot in the world? Which one is it? Are you awake in the dark and asleep in the lights? That's why Jesus said in verse 36, you must believe in me. You must choose to walk in the light. Make no mistake about it. It's a choice. And many in our present culture have chosen to walk in the dark. Some of them call themselves progressive Christians. They don't fully embrace God's word. They tell you they do. But when it comes to different lifestyles, oh, well, we don't believe that part of the Bible. Well, I'm sorry. It's not a pick and choose. It's all or nothing. Remember that. God is all or nothing. You either follow him fully or you don't follow him. You must make the choice to walk in the light. Make no mistake about it. It is, again, a choice, which is the polar opposite of light is when we walk in the dark, meaning it's a choice that we have to make. We're either going to live by our own standards of what we think is right and wrong. Oh, it's a woman's choice. I believe that. I'm a Christian, but I believe it's a woman's choice. Well, you don't have a choice of what it is or is not. God has already said that he's the one that created life. He's the one that forms life in a womb of a woman. He's the one who puts the bones together. He's the one that causes the heart to beat. You don't have a choice to stop that life. It's God's choice. And when you take that choice on your own, then not only are you eliminating the choice of that little girl that's in your womb, but you're taking a choice out of God's hands. See, so it's like, we don't have that choice. Well, I don't agree with that. Well, then don't claim to be a Christian. Go do your own thing. Live your own way. Live your own life. But if you're going to be a Christian, then you have to embrace what God says. Well, I don't agree with that. Well, change the way that you think. That's what we have to do as Christians. It doesn't always have to make sense to us. What God says is what it is. We don't have a choice in the matter. Let's not forget, he's the creator. We are the created. Okay, it's like he makes the choices of what's right and wrong, not us. People say, I don't like to hear that. See, that's why people don't like to hear the truth. Because I don't agree with that. Well, you're wrong. You're wrong then. Understand that. You're wrong. God is always right. Well, I don't like the way that sounds. Well, then then don't follow the Lord then. It's like this is where we have to make a choice. This is what's wrong with America. The Barna poll, the Gallup poll, the Pew poll, 72 to 83% claim to be Christians. No, I guarantee you over three quarters of America is not Christian. We would not be in the hole that we're in right now if three quarters of Americans were Christians. So what is that number? I don't know what that number is. Is it 15%? Is it 20%? I don't know. I can tell you this. God knows. God knows who are his true believers. And then all the others, they're just fake. Fake news, fake Christians. It's like, there's just fake out there. And what did Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount? Oh, many are going to come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, did not we do this in your name? And he's going to say, um, I don't know you. Could you imagine 
People that are patronizing these people that call themselves Christians, oh, they're a good Christian person, but they live in this radical, sinful lifestyle. But see, I would rather you hate me because I tell you the truth than for you to love me and me lie to you. See, that's what true love is. You know, look, if you have a family member, don't you tell them the truth? Like if you have a, a family member, right? Someone that you really love and they're sitting there talking to someone and you notice, oh, oh my goodness, they got a giant booger hanging out of their nose. Oh, it's like, do you say nothing? I mean, you know, don't you say something? See, truth is love. I don't want to be offensive to people. I don't want to just purposely make someone feel bad, but I want them to know the truth. Because again, what did Jesus say? The truth will make you free. Yes, according to what we think is right is not how we're to live. We've got to live by God's standard, not our standard, not our own opinion. So we have to purpose a choice in our lives as believers to either reject what God has clearly spoken to us in his word, the Bible, or to embrace what God says in his word. Notice what he said at the end of verse 36. He departed and he hid himself. It's almost like Jesus was saying, I've said a lot right here. You need to think about it. I don't want to say any more. I don't want to overload you. So Jesus kind of cut out. He had a way of doing that, just kind of disappearing. Okay, he's gone. You need to think about what he said. Don't miss the gravity of this choice. It is without question the biggest decision we will ever make in this life. You know, Bob Dylan, famous songwriter, He used to sing, you got to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Then I think you could sing that song pretty good anyway. But I wonder who it will be for you. Who will you really serve? Not who you half serve. Who will you really fully serve? Because regardless of what we say, our lifestyle tells the truth about who we are. Not when you're sitting in church. You all look pretty convincing here. (laughs) But what are you during the week on Wednesday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon? What is your lifestyle there? What are you on Friday night? What we choose matters. It was Edward Bulwer that said this quote, The easiest person to deceive is ourself. Oh, I'm a good person. I go to church every week. I'm so nice. Okay. Sounds good. What are you the rest of the time? See, it's easy to deceive ourselves. It's interesting to note that this group of people that Jesus is talking to, they've seen many miracles. The main group that he's talking to, they've seen it all. They've seen so many things here. Yet verse 37 says, they did not believe. What? You didn't believe. He's not just the Greeks now he's talking to. He's talking to the, just all the Jews that are around. Which brings us to a place of a truth that many will not want to hear And what's that? God hates unbelief, despises it, loathes it. Hebrews 3 tells us that God didn't allow over 1 million people to come into Egypt after he delivered them to the promised land with Moses. So the ones that he delivered, he didn't let over a million of them go into the promised land. Wait wait, wait a second. Didn't he deliver them to take them to the promised land? Didn't he take them out of slavery to bring them into freedom? Yes. But over a million of them, there were 600,000 men that were over 20 years old. None of them got in but two. What happened to all their wives and everything? Oh, they croaked too. They didn't get to go in because of their unbelief. Wow. 
It was Jesus in Matthew 13 that could do no miracles. Where? In his own hometown. Why? Because he didn't believe. Wait a second. Jesus, what? He's the Messiah? No, wait. I thought that was Joseph's son that was working on our, our he was a carpenter. Wait, he was working on that ox thing that we had for our ox, the yoke. And what? And no, what? Yeah, that's, no, that's just Joseph and Mary's kid. That can't be the Messiah. They didn't believe. No miracles for you. No soup for you. Because you didn't believe. Know this. God is so gracious. He's so merciful to us. We can see his loving kindness and his mercy that he has for us. He has so much compassion when we're weak. How many times have we failed? And, oh, God, I'm so sorry. I just totally sinned again. And God has forgiven us. And, and he's not left us. He's forever ready to forgive us and to show mercy. He always desires to reason with you and me and to help us out. And no matter what circumstances we get ourselves into. Yet... When we fill our hearts with unbelief, oh, it will seize our faith and it will cause us to stumble in our ability to follow him. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. 